Hey, hey, welcome to Why Are We Whispering with me, Jenny Gay, author, stepmom, and all-around truth seeker and teller. If you're tuning in, you too are tired of sugar-coated content and conversations. This is the place where I put a megaphone to the mouths of adults, talking about life experiences that most of us find too shameful, too uncomfortable, too traumatic, and too embarrassing to discuss openly. We dive headfirst into experiences, thoughts, and behaviors that we keep secret or hush-hush, never truly speaking honestly and openly about them, but that most of us have in common. And I'm talking about it because life can be hard, it can be ugly, and it can be painful. And guess what? It's like that for all of us. So let's stop whispering. Welcome and thank you for joining me on today's podcast. If you are tuning in today, it is likely that your life has been directly impacted by cancer. Whether you yourself are battling it, you've survived it, or someone you love has been impacted by it. Perhaps like me, and for many of us, a loved one may no longer be here because of cancer. It's estimated that there are currently 3 million people living with cancer in the UK. And on average, every 90 seconds, someone in the UK is diagnosed with cancer. And these numbers are only rising. Joining me today is Stephanie Crochet-Ralston. She is a vibrant and highly sought-after personal stylist and interior designer, and she's also a mother of three. Stephanie also has cancer. She was recently diagnosed, and she's agreed to speak with me today about the journey that she is currently going through with her cancer battle. So thank you so much, Steph, for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) So maybe a good place to start, and if you're comfortable, um, is if you could take me back to when you first suspected that there was something wrong with your body or that something didn't feel right and you felt like it was necessary to go and seek some medical attention. So um, my problems probably started around 18 months ago, and I went to the GP because I was bleeding, and I knew something was wrong. And they sent me off for blood tests. All my blood tests came back normal. Um, however, I was losing weight. Um, I knew I didn't feel right. I was breathless. Um, and interestingly enough, I was styling in London twice. It's actually the weirdest thing. It was exactly probably this time last year. And I was styling. And I had took two clients into London on separate occasions. And I felt I was going to pass out. Uh, They didn't know that at the time. I just said, oh, I need a coffee. Take a few days later, went to the doctors. They ran me up and said, do you realise your haemoglobin is five? You need to go in for a blood transfusion immediately. So I had that done twice. Still no sign of cancer, still bleeding. And I said, there's just something not right here. And I went back to my doctors and they're saying, oh, it's just probably just, you know, you, you run down. I said, well, no, I'm not happy. Anyhow, they re- later referred me. I spoke to the surgeon and he said to me, we're going to do a colonoscopy on you. And I said, well, actually, I don't think you should do a colonoscopy. I think I need surgery. Uh, I said, because I have low blood pressure, I've had two blood transfusions and I know my my blood pressure is extremely low so I think it needs to go into general he was kind of saying well it'd be fine the I said no 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 please believe me I know what I'm talking about July 
the 4th, which I remember very well, was the day I had my operation. I just felt the, he came away and said, we removed a tumour, we're going to send it off to histology and we'll be in touch with you in 10 days or maybe not. You may just get a report. On the ninth day, I received a phone call to come in the next day and instinctively I knew what was going on. I wasn't quite sure what, but I knew it was something serious. So I attended the meeting at uh, Wickham Hospital to be told I had a melanoma, internal cancer, which was large and probably been embedded for 18 months. He also went on to tell me that this couldn't have been removed through an endoscopy, that something was telling me that general surgery was the right thing to do. Unfortunately, they weren't able to do a wider incision. Now, you would never know these terms unless you've been through a cancer journey. What it means is they need a two centimetre wider incision, which you can imagine because of cells around the tumour, and they couldn't do that because it was too dangerous. I walked away from that meeting. I felt that my body had been transported to somewhere else. I was absolutely devastated. I didn't know what to think, what to feel. All I can remember is that, for me, I walked out the room because I just checked out when they told me. That was hard because three days later, I had a family holiday, which I took my younger daughter, and they said, go ahead and do it. And when I was on holiday, I was receiving the phone calls from Macmillan, the oncology team, discussing my care plan, what they would do, what type of treatment I'd be having. So since then, it's been a kind of a roller coaster of constant MRIs, CTIs, PET scans, meetings, consultancies. Not only that, I'm under two trusts because of the complexity and the rareness of my cancer. Um subsequently had another surgery last two weeks ago and there's more cancer there so So my cancer journey I think it's going to be very rocky um I think it's going to go on for quite a number of months maybe a year um however what I would say for me is the most difficult is mentally what it does to you And what it mentally does to you is it puts you in this state of, right, do I hide? Do I flight? Do I fight it? Unfortunately, not everyone can fight cancer. I think we need to take that word fight down. Not everyone has that chance to fight it. Do I be brave? Do I be positive? And these are all the questions I ask myself and I regularly ask myself and don't get me wrong at days I feel completely overwhelmed really scared really upset but then I resit myself and I think I have my children you know I have a wonderful life um science is amazing and where there's a problem there's always going to be a solution and I've also taken into consideration that I have had this taken away from me I have no control over this so ultimately, I have to make decisions, the right decisions for me with appointments and make sure that I am well equipped mentally to go to the scans, to wait for the results of the scan, because there's such a thing as scan, scansiety. Yeah. 
all those things to kind of help me prep for when I'm going to hear what they're going to say. Yeah. I'm the op- optimist and I'm extremely kind of positive. Positive could be classed as negative because sometimes it could be re- unrealistic. Mm-hmm. I thought it could be quite straightforward. And actually what I've realised, it really isn't straightforward. You know, it has yeah. such an effect on everyone around me. It has an effect on my children. Yeah. has an effect on my parents. has an effect on my sisters. has an effect on my friends, my partner. Because one day to the next I can be fine. Then my mood can absolutely drop and this is what people don't say because you keep that we, we humans aren't we we have to protect ourselves we don't always want to be vulnerable um so that for me mentally has been a real difficult challenge mm-hmm. um i can't say cancer's not define me because it definitely won't define me has it shaped reshaped the way i think absolutely 100 yeah. percent um I can has- only imagine that it, it's absolutely changed who you are a hundred percent and I think it changes people the way they act towards me Mm. and I think sometimes is that good is that bad is it because we don't know what to say you know I think when we go through trials and tribulations and things like a cancer diagnosis um I find oftentimes that's when you kind of really uncover who people in your life are or they uncover it themselves. Um, I've had, you know, friends who have gone through similar experiences who um, had loved ones that they thought would really step up. And they actually ended up fading into the background and becoming quite obsolete in their lives. So it really, um, as you mentioned, you know, it affects the family, but it also affects the relationships that you keep um, as well. So have you experienced anything like that? Um, What I would say is, um, I am extremely blessed to have the people that I have in my life. Um, I went through a divorce and people who didn't show up in my divorce, women, which I was really kind of, yeah. weren't very nice. They're, they're, they were they were in the trash. <laughs> yeah. So I... I so Thank I, you, guy. <laughs> yeah, bye. So, yeah, I don't need you in my life. I only want the good people around me. Yeah. So I think because I've been through that... Um, I think that's also helped me with this journey. And I think you also have to remember other people have things going on in their lives. Not say, you know, and I don't think, I, I always say most people are good. Most people are wanting to do the best. Some people just can't handle it. They really just can't handle it. So what they do is take a back pedal. Um, but if, if they're not serving you or you're not, you're not giving to each other, I feel there's no point having that relationship with that person. Absolutely not, um, especially at, at such a pinnacle time in your life where 100%. you need strength around you, you need you support, do. you need empathy, you need real, honest people who are going to prop you up. Um, yeah. And absolutely, it, it, it kind of, it's like almost life's way or the universe's sick way of going, getting rid of the, the riffraff in your life. Absolutely, you know, and that's, that's, and that's what I've done and then... <sighs> I've had a best friend go through cancer recently. Another close friend went through cancer. Another best friend just, just recovered from cancer. Uh, and my mum said that, I can't believe you're surrounded by women who are going through similar struggles. Because no one's no one's journey is the same. No one's cancer is the same. No, it's always unique, yeah. It's always very 
However, what we've drawn a parallel to is the way we feel. Mm. And you feel like a little bit of a leper. Right. That, that's the only word I can kind of describe it because you feel you feel that things things have changed. You're not that same person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, that's scary you lo- to lose your identity. Yeah, it almost seems like it, it could be perhaps like a rebuilding of the self yeah. um, in a sense um, because certain notions that you have about life um, and about yourself um, just get completely jumbled up and redefined. You mentioned that you you went on holiday um, shortly after your your diagnosis with your family. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about how, or even maybe was that the moment that you you let your family know about the di- diagnosis and your children know? Um, well, it was. We went on holiday three days within being told. Um, so my parents were there, my two sisters, mm-hmm. um, my niece and nephew, my nephew and my youngest daughter. And it was just the bizarrest. I can't even describe. I just think I had the right people with me at the right time. Mm-hmm. I could be totally myself. I look back and I think the emotions, I'd wake up. At night time, I'd go to bed and I'd be really sad. Then I'd wake up and see the sunlight and walk outside and breathe in and be so happy to be alive. Uh, Then I'd have moments where I just wouldn't stop crying, feeling angry, feeling, I don't know what to do with this. I'm out of control. What's going to happen? Am I going to die? What's my prognosis? I need to ask these questions. Am I... I did ring the Macmillan and said, look, is this terminal? I did ask, and she was like, wow, I didn't expect you to ask that question. So suddenly I said, well, I need to know because I need to put things in place if it is. Absolutely. I need to know. Yeah, I need to know. Um, Look, we can never, we all die. It's inevitable. It's one of those things. That's one thing we're all certain of. Right. However, we know, we kind of have a guideline of, you know, what potentially is our treatment plan. Mm. And they said to me, we don't know if we can cure it, but it's certainly going to be treatable. So it's something that can be managed then through the course of your life. Yeah. And with a view to hopefully curing it, you know, this is where, you know, they said I'm I'm young enough for it to happen, but equally when you're younger and I I can't even relate to somebody young who's got cancer because that's heartbreaking. But the older you are, your cancer does slow down. So when you do hear of older people getting cancer, they will live like a lot longer because of yes, because of the cells and everything. But the, the younger you are, generate as quickly. They're not generating. Unfortunately, when young, the younger you are, the harder it is because they're doing it so quickly. Um, but they said for my type of cancer, I was very young, and they, they haven't really come across anybody with that before. So I'm like an, an anomaly and a mm. science kind of project, if that makes sense. Hence why I'm under the two trusts. But yeah, my family were incredibly brave for me. And they took on a lot because I get angry. I swore. I drank. Yeah. Um, because I just wanted to completely. It didn't exist. I understand. That. It, it's the only way I, I, I felt I could kind of navigate my way through. Yeah. Day to day at that moment in time. It was, re- it was very, very raw. It was days. Yeah. I, I can't even imagine the. the the abject terror that, you know, probably ripped through your body. Were there, you, you know, 
I often think myself, you know, the chances of a, a cancer diagnosis are quite high um, for all of us. So, you know, I always think, you know, how will I be prepared for that diagnosis? How would I feel? What, is, what are the array of emotions that I'm going to go through? Um, I almost think about it as almost an inevitable for some reason, um, just because the numbers are so high um, and the lifestyles we all live as well. But were there any kind of feelings from the moment that you were diagnosed to present day? Yeah. You feel that you didn't expect to feel? Yeah, all of it. <laughs> everything, everything you just said, it, as I said, it's, it's, you can't share that feeling unless you've been there. Yeah. Um, because I, no matter how empathic you are, you you never understand unless you're in those shoes yeah. of being told that news. Um, I I do have deep empathy. I was, my sister was thirty three when she died. My son had a cardiac arrest when he was twenty three three years ago. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of trauma in my life, so I have had I've experienced death young, um, but not me possibly personally. Um, so it doesn't it's it's pure pure overwhelming just disbelief um i never thought this is what and i still will say this why me i've never said that why me you just said it's it's common it's common it's one in two people yeah the odds are that you will the odds are you're gonna get you're gonna get yeah. cancer and the odds are we have cancer in our bodies it's something that's triggered yep. i also when you talked about you know diets and food that's the first question i asked Right, what can I do? What can I do to to um, be more preventative, to help myself? And my consultant said, it's nothing you eat, drink, lifestyle has got nothing to do with your type of cancer. It's absolutely nothing. I said, okay, but what can I do? Just as well, just as a way of well-being for me. And she said, okay, what I would suggest is more, maybe more high-fibre diet or try and eat more, veg just go back to basics like we did when we were younger you know yeah. don't eat processed try avoid processed foods um i don't ever say eating clean because there's no such thing as eating clean because we eat frozen if we're eating clean we'd be eating from the ground yeah. in every se- in every season and when you're um, busy, like, your career woman you know there's not there's, there's not no time, time for that. there's no yeah. time for that there's no time and it's okay to have pizza it's okay to have a glass of wine and it's okay it's to do all those. <laughs> it's just, I'm not glad you said about joy. What is the point of living without joy? I honestly, Steph, I wake up every day and I literally say, I'm going to seek out my joy today. What am I going to find my joy in today? Yeah. And it really sets the tone for my day. And I know that sounds corny, but it's no, not the at all. world the way that it is and the stresses that we have. Like you got to find your moments and hold on to them. A hundred percent, you have to do that. And as I said, you know, when I look at people, you know, who make a big impact in your life, and I think those people, like the Matthew Perry, I was saying about him, how much joy did he bring to everybody? And he was deeply suffering inside, but he brought joy to everyone. I want to be a person that brings joy and happiness. I want to be remembered for all those things. And I want to live like that. I don't want to be a prophet of doom and gloom and miserable and not living and not enjoying life. 
Because what's the point of being on this planet if we don't find moments of happiness or look for those things that make us happy or feel good? And they don't have to cost a fortune. It's about being around the right people. Yes. It's about listening to good podcasts. Yes. It's about laughing. It's about those simple things that bring us those moments where we forget that we've got cancer. Because I think that's really important to forget that you have it as well. Because if you have it thinking about it all the time, it's not helpful. It really it's isn't. It's soul-sucking. It's, it's absolutely soul-sucking. You know, so, as I said, it's not going to, it's not going to, when I get through this, I'm going to get through this, I know I'll get through this. I'm, I'm not even going to put cancer survivor. I'm not going to put that because I think, do you know, as I said, went back earlier and said, not everyone survives cancer. And also one in two people get cancer. Yeah. So you're marked, you're marked. What I'm going to say is enjoying life to the full. Yeah. It's so like, you're, you're a life survivor. Life survivor. <laughs> exactly. Because we all yeah. survive something, don't we? <laughs> well, multiple things. Sometimes all at the same time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I have another question for you because I I recently did a podcast with um, Heather Jackson, who's amazing, um, from Gen M, um, and it's all about perimenopause and menopause. And I think one of the things that is not as talked about, and I, and I think this is also because women who are in um, perimenopause or approaching perimenopause, um, even menopause years, there's a shame that we carry around with talking about menopause. But I recently read an article about how certain treatments like chemo when you're going through cancer can absolutely just destroy your, your, your hormones and all of that kind of stuff. So if you're already in that stage of life or approaching it, has your any of your doctors talked to you about that? Right. So um, my drug is immunotherapy. It's the only drug that will treat my type of cancer. Okay. It's infused exactly the same way as chemo. Okay. Uh, so I have it intravenously. Um, unfortunately, my veins tissue a lot because that's what happens. You you know when chemo patients have the same where the, the tissue the tissuing a lot because your, your veins are breaking down because of the drugs. Um, the, I'm perimenopausal. I still have periods. Um, I'm not having hot sweats. Um, I'm fortunate that I'm allowed to take HRT because it's not hormone related cancer. So I'm for, fortunate in that in that respect. Yeah. They have said to me about um, obviously antidepressants because of the low they said the low that is an effect that is a side effect yeah low mood my um my also i do have i do have hair loss there is a bit of hair loss which i hide um there's also my thyroid is low so i will gain weight which is similar to menopause but that's that's because of the drugs so i'm fine i love food i just love food even more now so (laughs) i always said i'm going to be a healthy Larger cancer lady, but you know what? <laughs> it's new. It's neutralizing me. I'd rather have have some weight on me and make me that I know that I'm bringing goodness into my body and make me feel happy by eating chocolates. There's <laughs> nothing wrong with eating chocolates. Nothing wrong with eating good food. Eat the chocolates. Have the pizza. Drink the red 100%. wine. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> I just think you know what? As women, we need to stop beating ourselves up. We need to stop beating ourselves up. We need to also listen to our bodies. 
and mm. podcasts and speaking about menopause and there's so many forums now that really help women um who are going through that and i think if you can look to, for anything to help you go for it yes Not everything's going to suit somebody you know some people don't need um they don't they don't suffer from anxiety so that therefore they don't need to take anything that's great some people do they need to take it and that's great equally i think we shouldn't judge we shouldn't judge anybody who's going yeah. through anything i think we should just accept acceptance to me is huge you know where we should accept that we're all different some people are larger some people aren't some people would just difference what we've got to do is just accept that person doesn't mean you're a lesser person for whatever reason just Absolutely. be be kind be kind to yourself listen to your body do things again reading up and maybe look into food groups if there's um a food group that does help you release a happiness and then that's great not talking about wacky backy there by the way but if you know <laughs> not, not judging although, no, judgment here. although... <laughs> You know, THC has been known to extend life. Well, this um, is it. This is it. Like, exactly. Well, like, this is what I'm thinking. I'm thinking I'm going to California. I'm, I feel like getting stoned on the beach and you know seeing that sunset. <laughs> <laughs> Can I come? Yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> but you know what? I have a loved one um, who um, taking THC, although it wasn't legal um, when he did it, um, which is a whole nother podcast we could do. I think it's absolute bullshit. That's something that can extend your life and alleviate symptoms and pain. Exactly. Be legalized um, yeah. in this country. Anyways, that's another podcast for another day, but um, he was a cancer patient and um, the treatments weren't really working and decided to take um, it THC um, in suppository form and it extended his life by over five years and quality quality, quality life. life he was 100%. pain free 100%. So, you know it's there's lots of i think knowledge is power as you said everyone's cancer um, journey is unique it's unique and you know what works for one person is not going to work for another person but just you know speak to everybody ask the questions do the reading listen to the podcasts and find what works for you i was going to say as well and if you're scared if you're scared because it's so very very scary to get results find somebody who you can rely on 100% to be there with you who may be able to talk and because if you're sat in the room and you're not digesting it because you're just so su such in a bad place where it's too too overwhelming but you but you need to know these things and I think about I think about Joan Collins and her sister Jackie Collins she was so scared about going for breast um going having a breast checked because she knew something was wrong and her sister was Joan Collins was saying that she was so upset because she was frightened yeah it's terrifying and, it, and it's terrifying when you get allowed it's be, so be allowed to be terrified you're allowed to be terrified this is your life yeah what I would say is try not try not just dis disappear from the world mm. have a per we're all put on this planet for a purpose I've continued to work throughout my, and I'm being very fortunate I've been able to work. Yes, I've not been able to work all the time for appointments or whatever, but I've worked. And I feel that's helped me immensely. It's helped my mental well-being. And I thank my clients because they, 
when I come away, I feel so rejuvenated yes. that I feel, yes, I'm doing good. I'm still doing good because we all want to feel good, don't we? Will? And we all, doesn't it make you feel good when you're doing good? Absolutely. And you want to keep your routines and, and your life kind of as normal as it was before your diagnosis. 100%. Yeah. You know, you mentioned what, you know, make sure that, or if you can have a loved one that you trust with you when you go in for your, it really brought me back actually, because I had, um, in my twenties, um, my best friend at the time. So she, um, was getting her results and she said, you know, I really don't think I can, I'll hear him if it's not what I want to hear. Yeah. You come with me. And, you know, I, being my stone cold self, I was like, absolutely. I brought my pen and paper. I had my list of questions. And to be honest, I wasn't really prepared to hear what he had to say either. I just thought she was going to be fine. And she did have her, her diag, her cancer diagnosis. And she just totally checked. I could see she just went from yeah one persona to another. I could tell she was, she was totally checked out. So I just kind of went into business mode and, and, you know, started asking my questions, what's the next steps. And, and I had it all written down and, you know, I think it's really important because she was able to be in that moment of terror, but I'd never let go of her hand. And, you know, she, she had yeah. me there with her. And I think it's, if you can have somebody um, to go to those appointments, it, it, it can actually, you know, change the way you receive the information. It does. And also you can, you can direct it. Yeah. So my surgeon is incredible. An incredible surgeon. His delivery of news is horrific. And I told him last week, I said, you and I, we don't, we, we just don't gel. <laughs> We don't no, we'll and this, is after, this is after surgery, and I can see my boyfriend sinking in the chair, thinking, "Oh my god, what's going to come out with?" <laughs> I said, "Because you're, you're very negative," and I said, "And I know you're protecting yourself because the NHS is so under so much pressure and stress, and horrible people sue them for things that they haven't done wrong because actually they've been incredible. They've been incredible with me. However, his delivery is not. It, it doesn't. It doesn't sit well with me. So his right. his what he's done, what his profession, yeah, his profession is amazing. So then I rang my McMillan and went, look, we don't gel. And and they were giggling up and they went, we've never met anyone, anyone like you. I said, no, I'll tell it, I'll say it how it is. So I think it's best for him and I not to have conversations or for him to bring somebody to talk or be a mediator yeah. or actually just get my consultant who's looking after my case. He can talk to her who then will deliver the news to me in a way that I can actually consume yeah. and listen and go, right, okay, because she's a woman, she's the same age, she has children, and she gets me totally. We just get each other. So there's nothing wrong with saying to somebody, if you're not happy in the way they're speaking to you, as long as it's not aggressive, but just being honest and owning it and saying, look, there's a clash of personalities here. Yeah. We're not, we just don't get to each other. It's nothing to do with what you've done because you're amazing. However, I feel it should be with somebody else. And when I said that, they went, absolutely fine. That's great. No problem. And you don't, you don't, you don't get what you don't ask for either. It's, it's so important to be your own yeah. advocate. You have to be. Treatment. Yeah. Uh, you've got to go to bat for yourself every single time. Cause you've no got to, because no one else is going to do it. And burying your head in the sand ain't going to solve the problem. Yep. You've got to be part of the journey from diagnosis to to now with treatments and whatnot um, of the actual processes 
at every different stage that you were surprised by or that you were like, well, oh my God, really it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, having been under two, I'm under two trusts, so they don't communicate. Sorry, can you just explain, because there's going to be listeners as well who don't um, know. What right, so means. because of the complexity of my my cancer, mm. um, I'm under Churchill in Oxford. I had my surgery here in High Wycombe, and I've asked for the Churchill where my consultant is, that's the expertise team. So when I have my meetings with them, they will say, right, this is your plan, this is what we're going to do. These are the scans that you're going to have. Mm-hmm. But then I'll be having scans in High Wycombe, in the Churchill, in Stoke Mandeville. So I'm all over the place. They're different right. trusts. So those trusts do not communicate because they're different trusts. So they work so, in solos. Oh my God. So I find out stuff before my consultant. For example, I got a phone call today from the surgeon's secretary. Can you come in tomorrow? I'm seeing, I said, how can I be, come and see you at High Wycombe when I'm seeing my consultant in the Churchill at Oxford. What it did to me, it took me right back to that place when I found out I had cancer. Because it was that phone call, your surgeon wants, to come, wants you to come in. Sure. And it basically took me right back. I was really upset. I rang up on the phone and thought, no, this is bullshit. Sorry about my language. This is bullshit. I'm, now that I've lived this, now that I'm living it, I'm, I'm going to direct this. So I rang up the phone and went, this is what's happened. I'm really, really upset. It's no one's fault, but because you're two different trusts, you're not communicating. This is what I want. This is what I need because actually my mental health is being really affected here. Well, and I'm a mother of a young child that I need to be strong for. And I don't want her to see me breaking down or getting upset because she's going to second guess everything. Of course. And it's re-traumatizing for you. So there should be an appreciation <sighs> for that. 100%. So they t- they were brilliant. Absolutely fine, Stephanie, not a problem. In the meantime, he'd already sent an email saying, I think she just wants to see you. <laughs> I think he's scared of me. Scared of me. <laughs> I don't I'm know scared why. Of <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's the shoulder pads. I don't know. <laughs> it's the power ponytail that you're rocking. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah, just yeah, you know, because the thing is, is, is you, you, everything's taken. Your control is taken away from you. Yes. You, you, you're totally. You have no power. You're powerless. Yeah. You have no decisions, but you do have decisions, and that's what I would like to share. If the things that you're upset with, or you're not happy with the way something is going, write it down and tell them why, why that is. Yeah. Because they will always listen to you and you can lead that. Yeah. That's what I, that, I would say. That's a really vital piece. I wish people said that to me because no one had told me that. And is there, are there any, for the listeners out there who might be in a very similar situation to you, are there any um, organizations or, you know, websites that you can direct people to that, that were, you found really helpful or, or really filled with some information that, um, served you right so <laughs> believe it or not many moons ago i used to work for johnson and johnson mm-hmm. um so i worked on um oncology clinical research early oh, pharmaceuticals. Wow. yeah um interesting enough my clients is one of the top anesthetists at the hospital we didn't know oh, this cool. until i told because i was safeguarding mm-hmm. and i have a scientist 
who knows the drug that I'm on and I've talked to that person about it. Mm -hmm. I've also read the paperwork that the hospital had given me, um, which is great. It tells me all about the drug, tells me about the type of cancer I've got. What I would say is do not Google because if you start Googling, you're going to go down a rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, emotional support, they do offer you emotional support in the sense that they will give you a psychiatrist. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that because if you're really struggling, especially we're not all super mentally strong and there's not weakness involved in that, but there's people who have different responsibilities. And I feel that if that service is there, take it. Because if it helps you, then bloody help Take I, mean, it. I think we should all be in therapy. We should. I love therapy. It's great. Therapy, yeah, is we all need a little. Let's be exactly. Clear. <laughs> but especially at times like that, amp it up and and seek out additional support. Yeah, 100%. and also so and then the self care that you can do is indulge in beautiful ninety PJs. Soft blankets, water bottles, good movies, nice food, good books, podcasts. They are things really rely on because they will help. They will help your physicality, emotional state in a different way. Mm. And let go of the dead wood so they can absolutely fuck off. Yeah. Sorry, that word, but they can. You don't need those people because right. they're negative Nellies in life. You don't want them in your life, do you? You no. just want good. You want good people that you can trust. What I would say is, there's only probably a handful of people that you can really trust. There's people that are going to help, but your friend, if you don't, because you will have moments of vulnerability, mm. and you won't want to share that with everybody else, and that's absolutely fine. Yeah. Just share that with your, your nearest and dearest. Definitely. You know, because you don't always want to expose everything to everybody. It's great to be honest. It's great to talk about it. There's moments where you don't have to. You don't have to overshare if you don't feel safe. And if you don't feel safe, you walk away. Absolutely. You also, you also don't ever feel you have to do anything if you don't want to do it. Talk about going out, about being polite, as in you know, going for a coffee. If you don't fancy going for a coffee that day, don't go. Because your well being is wrong with saying I'm not in a good space. Nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. you. Don't have to go into great detail. It's not about them, this is about you. Yeah. So it's just about just you've got to you've got to really, really manifest and keep yourself in this invisible protective armour. Mm. Which I don't think is anything wrong with that. And do you think that um that's somewhere you would get to had you not had your diagnosis? Or do you think you would still be maybe lacking boundaries with people who didn't deserve to be in your life? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely, oh, my gosh. One thing, I'm, I've always been, a, look, people always know where they stand with me. Um, I always say, I, I, I'm, I, I'd say I was a kind person, and I used to get really easily hurt when people did unkind things. But then I realised maybe it's because I'm allowing that as well. Mm-hmm. Now I don't allow it. I do, boundaries to me are very important. Yeah. And it's something I'm not happy with, I'll take a step. You don't have to have a confrontation, you don't have to have an argument, you don't you can just walk away. You don't have I to give you don't have to give any reason. No. Nope. You don't have to give any reason whatsoever. This is about you and looking after you. Because you may have to look after other people. 
And there's people in this world that are having cancer alone that don't have anyone to look mm. after them. Okay. And they have to rely on helplines, Macmillan. They have to rely on, you know, people coming around, look for those services. If you've got that, you know, I'm very lucky, you know, we've got um, Maggie's in Oxford. Mm. And I think, it's, I think it's worldwide, Maggie's actually. And it's a place where you can go and you can share and you can just be, you can be still and you can just feel safe there's online there's online meditation there's online cookery classes there's lots of things there to help you yeah you got to find your peace in what is a war zone yeah that's what you're going through is you're going through a hundred percent and you will get angry and it's okay to get angry and it's okay to swear and it's okay to scream and shout i think that's incredibly healthy yes if if you're not doing that then you're you know you're You're fake So, Steph, I I hear that you're actually doing some, um, well, utilizing your actual skills as um, a well sought after stylist um, to work with brands like Sweaty Betty and other brands um, to work with cancer patients. Can you talk to us a little bit about what you're doing in that? Absolutely. I'm I'm really excited about this because of my own experience. So when you go to hospital and you go for an MRI scan or a CT scan or a PET scan, you can't wear clothing with any metal. So that includes bras, knickers, you name it. So the Sweaty sweaty Betty bras are amazing because not all of them are designed, but the ones that are designed without the metal clips. Mm -hmm. So you can wear those. But also, I've got a jumpsuit that doesn't have any metal bits in it at all. So I'm now going in with my bralette, my gorgeous jumpsuit, a cashmere long cardigan, and I can go through my scan knowing full well that actually no metal is going to be detected. detected. So thereafter, when that's happened, I can then go for a coffee with a friend because when you're going through something quite traumatic I think it's important to then lift yourself back up by Mm. going for a coffee with a you know with a close one be loved or friend or family whoever but also you want to feel good I think that's really clever really clever and you know what it's not something that I would have thought of that that would be important um, to keep yeah. some semblance of normalcy and feel good about yourself um, when going through your, to your actual like MRI um, appointments and your treatments and things of that nature. Yeah. So I think that that could be incredibly helpful for loads of oh. women. And Just I think so- if, if things are in fashion now, the jumper dress, you can wear the jumper dress with a gorgeous bralette mm. underneath a cashmere scarf and it looks super stylish and it's comfy and it's warm. Yeah. And you can and- wear makeup. Wear makeup if you want to wear makeup. It's not a problem. Do it. If it makes you feel good, do it. I think it's brilliant that you're utilizing, obviously, your skills and your career and what you did previous to to diagnosis to to help other women and to get yourself through it as well. Like, I I just, uh, hats off to you. I just think it's a very clever idea and obviously something that's needed. Yeah. So just need some really good brands to kind of um, work with because I think it'd be really nice to do that, um, which I have, as I said, I have had brands approach me, which is great. Yeah. Um, I will be doing some like kind of flat lays and des- designing things around body shapes because as a stylist, I should be able to do that because we're all different shapes and sizes, different budgets, 
Yeah. As you mentioned, you said your your own body has changed through the course of of treatments and things of that nature. So clothing that you can purchase at the beginning of treatment that's going to last you and and change with your body as your body changes through. I was going to say, to those who've had babies, elasticated waistbands, Mm, (laughs) that is definitely a way forward because, you know, my treatment is that my thyroid is lower. So therefore I am gaining weight. Um, And that's fine. It's absolutely fine because that's the last of my problems and um, but i want to feel comfortable and i still want to feel good and look good Beautiful. yes absolutely we deserve that <laughs> well thank you so much for coming on and telling your story Steph. i think you're incredibly brave and you're a badass you know by every definition clearly <laughs> um loads of respect um and i'm so sorry that you are going through this but i'm just I find it just really inspirational that you are you are finding the power in the new you and yeah. your new reality. And I think that that's really crucial to getting through it as yeah. well. So yeah. honestly, hats off to you big time. Yeah. And I was going to say to you as well, if you, I know, I do this in the morning, I go, <laughs> have a little cry, yeah, shake it off. I feel good now. <laughs> have a cry when you need a cry. You don't I mean you don't have to cry every day, but have a cry. Release, release, release. Release. Absolutely. Great, great advice. Brilliant. So thank you so much, Steph. And um all all the best in on your in your journey. I will be watching um you through your Instagram account to see where you're at. And um I wish you much love and loads of peace on your journey. Thank you for listening to the Why Are We Whispering podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening and leave a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Why Whisper Podcast. And don't forget to speak up and out. Let's stop whispering.